Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. We need to have a better sense of self and a better sense of where we're going when we decide that we're going to take off that uniform. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes of veteran mental health. I'm your host, Dwayne France. Let's get ready to make sure that your Headspace and Timing is set correctly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Headspace and Timing. This is your first time listening, and thanks for checking us out. As many of you who serve know, the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal, is one of the greatest weapons in the military's arsenal. The weapon's headspace and timing isn't set right, however, it's just a huge chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing's not set correctly either. That's my mission here, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week we'll talk about different aspects of veteran mental health and interview mental health professionals that are working with veterans, service members, and their families around the country. Hey folks, thanks for checking out the Headspace and Timing podcast again. We're trying to change the way that you think about veteran mental health. Uh, as you might have heard, uh, this month, November, we're trying to make it the month of the military podcaster. And uh, when our primary host, Eddie and Bennett, kind of brought this up, uh, a couple names popped into my head, and, and uh, my guest today was one of the first that popped into my head. So I'm uh, pleased to bring him on. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, someone that's probably uh, fairly well known to, to many of the podcast listeners anyway, the host of Veteranology, Mr. Jay Knight. Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, imagining that there are a few listeners who may not know or may not have listened to Veteranology, um, how about you tell them a little bit about yourself and your show and things like that? Right. Uh, just a real quick spiel. Um, a Marine Corps veteran, uh, served in the infantry with 2nd Battalion, 7th Marines during my four years from 04 to 08. Uh, got out of the service, went to college, um, graduated with an econ degree, biked across the country in honor of a buddy of mine, raised money for a children's charity, got laid off a few times after that, ended up in Colorado. And, uh, uh, after a few uh, incidents that uh, revolved around suicide in my uh, military unit, 2-7, I decided to start a podcast to start talking about the stories of successful individuals who have left the service and found their, their next calling. So the whole idea is, you know, when you go in, you hear all these stories of Medal of Honor winners and people that, uh, you know, we're, we're standing on the, on the shoulders of giants. Well, I, I've taken it upon myself to find the giants that have left the service and whom we can uh, follow and lead 
from. Yeah, and that's uh, and, and you've done a good job. I mean, I think that uh, when I first started listening to podcasts, I know you and I have um, maybe almost a year or so, um, we've been talking back and forth, but uh, uh, I always appreciated how uh, your podcast was very real. I mean, it was, um, you know, uh, I think in, in one of the episodes we're going to talk about here, I talk about how uh, it's the closest thing that anybody who's not been in the military would get to to listening to two infantry squad leaders talking to each other, right? And it's almost like, you know, a, a peek into the squad bay or something like that. Right. And there's a lot of work that goes into uh, making that happen, making that conversation happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and of course you have uh, your your own story too. And, and uh, you know, and, and listeners can go back and look in your show and, and talk about the it just the whole bike ride across the country and the idea of guys walking off the war or, or riding off the war and stuff like that. And you have a couple episodes where you've talked about that. Was was that, for you, was that important to uh, sort of transition away from combat or away from the military into the civilian world? Uh, I refer to the bike ride as uh, the, the biggest Band-Aid I needed. Um, you know, I... I'm never going to turn off some of these things that have happened in my head. Recently, I shared some of my my combat stories with a very close friend that I've made. And uh, he asked me, uh, he's like, you're like kind of there right now, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Like, as I was telling that story, I mean, I'm, I'm reliving it. Um, but uh, at the same time, it, it felt felt good to to tell the story. And so for me, the bike ride was just a... Uh, kind of a, a wound. I had a very hard time healing uh, after I got out because there was, you know, survivor's guilt and, and losing somebody that I was very close with. And I kind of was able to close a chapter uh, when I finally got done with the bike ride and move on. You know, and it's interesting you talk about, of course, I see it in the veterans that I work with all the time, um, that as we retell these events that, that we find ourselves back there almost transported, uh, I explain it as uh, the difference between um, sitting in the audience of a play. If I tell my story and I'm distanced from it, I see it going on uh, on stage versus actually being within the play, being live and, and in the environment um, and figuring out the, the more often, in my experience, the more often that we share these stories, the easier it is for us to be in the audience rather than to be on the stage in the play. Yeah. No, I think the more you talk about it, the more you distance yourself from uh, being in it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, your your uh, podcast, as you said, is not specifically about uh, veteran mental health, which is why I wanted you to bring on you and, and the other guests that I have uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, to talk about what you've learned about veteran mental health um, while you've been going through the, um, uh, the episodes. I think uh, I, I saw on the the website, and of course, we'll link to the website and, and all of these shows that we're going to talk about. Uh, but you're up to about 30 shows. Uh, but before we get into that, um, I remember you and I, when, when you had me on as a guest of your show, and you had talked about uh, something that happened during that bike ride that you really kind of differentiated as sort of two kind of people in the world. Um, and, and my goal of, of trying to help veterans get their stories out, uh, both as a mental health professional and then also on this podcast, um, is that idea of storytelling. So uh, 
Do you care to recount that story that you told me about the storytellers and the check writers? Right, right. Uh, just out of respect and the fact that I, I'm not someone who wants to throw anyone under the bus, but on one particular hospital visit um, that I had been planning, uh, they they hadn't hadn't given me any um, indication that they were going to allow me to come in. And then finally, on one phone call, uh, the the woman who was with uh, the particular group of people, uh, she was she was part of the child life. Uh, and and for those of you who don't know, child life are the people inside of the uh, children's hospitals who are working alongside the nurses to make sure that the children stay educated, that they stay active, that they stay engaged with growing up. Um, work, or I'm sorry, uh, play is the work of children. And so it's important that these kids, you know, if, if they miss two weeks of school, that's a, an incredible hardship. If you and I miss two weeks of work, we'll catch up, you know, like right. we're, we're developed adults. So anyway, when I was telling them what I was doing, they're like, well, you know, honestly, we feel that because you're doing this in honor of a fallen Marine, um, that that story is too scary and we don't want you to come to our hospital. And it was the only hospital that said this to me. And, I, and at the time, I was just so, I mean, I was so involved with like trying to honor my friend, right? And mm -hmm. so like my jaw hits the floor and I'm, I'm, I'm furious and I'm, I'm sad and there's tears in my eyes and I don't know how to like, like react to someone telling me that they're scared of me. Right. And uh, eventually, uh, through a nonprofit I was working with, um, it just so happened. So, so much happenstance happened on this bike ride. But this particular instance was I met with a uh, uh, congressman from that district, and he just happened to be going to the children's hospital the day that I, was, I had originally planned to go. I mean, I, I just kind of planned a route around uh, the hospital because we weren't going to stop. Um, but he's like, you know what? No, no, no. Uh, I'll call you in a couple hours. So he calls me in a couple hours. And he's like, Hey, meet me at this entrance at such and such time. I'm like, okay, sure. So we got up really early and we made uh, the 40 mile bike ride, uh, that morning to the, the hospital. So we got up pretty, pretty early and, uh, we pull up and right as we pull up, he comes out of his car and he's like, all right, boys, come on, follow me. So we walk in and immediately the, these two security guards um, like start moving towards me and Denny because, you know, we're, we're coming up with bicycles and our, our bikes have trailers and, you know, we, we're very out of, out of place. But the congressman's like, no, 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 they're with me. And these, these guys don't know who this guy is. And then all of a sudden, the, the vice president of communications of this hospital system comes up and greets him and says, hey, you two, <laughs> grab these guys' bikes and put them somewhere safe. <laughs> so we're escorted into the hospital and we're escorted into this conference room. And um, I'm sitting in the conference room and I'm sitting right next to the vice president of, of this, I mean, huge hospital um, not just hospital, but the entire network of hospitals throughout the state. And um, across from him is the uh, congressman, congressman's uh, chief of staff, the head of child life, and then the woman who who said I was too dangerous to come to the hospital. All the way at the and other so, end. All, yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and like the the tension could be cut with a knife. <laughs> And the, the VP led in and introduced himself and, and, and wanted to thank me for what I was doing. And um, the congressman and him had a conversation about what I was doing. And um, we, we never really brought up 
what the woman said. And the, I, I never wanted to, you know, have this person uh, skylined for what she did because right. she was protecting her kids. Sure. And what she understood as the military isn't what you and I understand as the military. But what happened was at the end of the conversation, the congressman kind of looks straight at her and kind of goes back and forth between the VP and this girl. And he said, you know, I know you guys only care sometimes about the people who write checks. But there are two types of people in this world, people who write checks and people who tell stories. And people don't write checks without stories. And that really resonated with me for the rest of the trip. And, um, I mean, I had already been a very vocal person on the bike ride, like trying to tell my story as much as possible and why I was doing what I was doing. But that, that put a lot of fire behind me. Yeah, and that's the, the telling the story piece and, and getting the message out there. Uh, as I mentioned, I often say, you know, the guns don't go silent when we re redeploy, and so veterans shouldn't go silent either. Um, of course, it doesn't mean that, you know, telling our war stories down at the corner bar and things like that. But but if we keep silent about our stories, A, uh, people don't know in, in that the greater distance um, um, is, is between those individuals who don't understand the military. Uh, but also it, what we were talking about earlier, getting not getting it out can can kind of perpetuate that um, that feeling of being there. And so. Uh, you then, um, through several iterations, but you've become a storyteller um, and helping others get their stories out there. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's difficult sometimes. Uh, not in the fact that uh, you know I, I can't get someone to talk, but in, in in figuring out the best way to approach someone. I mean, you know, with that first episode that you wrote about with. Uh, Russell Davies, you know, Russell and I, we didn't know each other. He was in the uh, uh, infantry in the army. I was Marines. Uh, we served at different times. He was in Afghanistan. I was in Iraq. Uh, but I told him what I was doing and I, I knew what he was doing. And so, you know, we, we initially have that bond. But um, for me, I, I want to make sure that people trust me because, you know, I'm, I'm holding their voice in my hand. You know, I, I can edit something and make them sound different like that's a power that uh while it doesn't seem very uh, intense it's something i take very seriously because i do not want anyone to ever come on my show and feel like they weren't able to uh or, or that, that they sounded stupid or or like they didn't know what they were talking about or whatever it is there's a lot of things that can happen once your voice is out there so, um, you know, I, I take the time. I took 30 minutes. I was walking through Target looking for soap. <laughs> and I was having a conversation with Russell. Like, hey, you know, I'd really like to talk about this. Is this okay? Is that okay? What are you trying to do? Um, and, and so in, in doing that, I, I make sure that I experience the person and what they're feeling so that by the time I get them in front of my microphone, they have – already somewhat separated themselves from being in the situation that they're going to talk to me about. Um, and, you know, in, in saying that, I think when we engage our friends, uh, our family members who may have gone through these kind of traumatic things, um, I, I don't think you should have a goal in mind for trying to help someone. Like, oh, you know, he has PTSD, he lost a buddy. You know, don't have a goal in mind for that first conversation. <laughs> 
or that second or third. But as that person gets used to maybe talking about it, maybe, uh, and, and you probably see this in therapy, is, is the, f- the second and third and fourth, you start to open up more and more and, and you find these things that allow you to connect. Um, and, and, you know, to you veterans out there, the same thing happens as you continue to talk. Like maybe you only talk with your buddies. You don't want to talk with your civilian friends about stuff. Eventually, if you do open up your heart um, and, and, and tell your story, I, I feel like those walls will come crumbling down and you feel more comfortable. You feel more engaged with the people around you because there's not that underlying like idea of, oh, this person doesn't get me. No, and that's that's really a great point. The idea of building trust, um, building trust, because uh, you know I'm going to give you this story, or I'm going to give you mm-hmm. this uh, this this very real and important memory of mine, um, and, and it really is a gift. And, and whether or not it's going to be used against me in the future, um, building that trust is critical. And I could tell, and you referenced that uh, episode number five with Russell Davies. Um, is, that that there was a level of trust, and that's the one again that I had mentioned that it sounded like two infantry squad leaders talking to each other. Yeah, you were in the Marines; he was in, you know, the Army. You know, different occupational, you know, as many differences as there could have been. That that which you united you was greater than that which divided you. And that was the first one of the first shows that that I think came to my mind that I listened to that said, "You guys are talking about." veteran mental health without specifically addressing veteran mental health um that uh that that russell was talking he he freely talked about um the incident that occurred um i think both if i remember correctly uh and then how he uh, how he tried to recover from that um and i think those stories are, are are critical for other veterans to be able to hear that modeled yeah and you know he's um He's very active on uh, Facebook, and um, you know, you you would never know by looking at him that uh, he, you know, he deals with pain. Um, that he deals with mental health. He deals with helping other people with their mental health. Like, um, you know, one one of the things that I like my show for is kind of demystifying being a veteran. Right. And, and that's and that's critical is to say, you know, hey, this is what, you know, we're, we're not, you know, and, and I think you and you and I and, and, and I talk about this often. We're not whatever the stereotype somebody sees us, that villain or that that mythic hero, you know, striding across the battlescape, saving the world uh, or a victim, you know, some broken winged bird. We're, we're human. Um, and, and I definitely very much on the nose try that with mental health. But what I like for what what you and, and some of the other hosts that we'll have on is that you talk about it without talking about it. It's just part of the conversation because it's part of who we were. Right. But I am lucky enough that, you know, I, I made my mission statement pretty broad where I, I'm here to interview veterans who have found their next place. But tagged on to the end of that mission statement is to also interview people who are involved in the backdrop of veteran uh, veteran life. So doctors, lawyers, caseworkers, things like that, um, because they have just such a different perspective. And, and I think it's worth talking about. And, and I have yet to have a non-veteran actually on the show. Uh, but uh, I did get to talk with Dr. Craig Bryan, mm-hmm. who is the uh, executive director of the Veteran Studies program uh what is that? Uh, veteran studies program out at the university of utah 
Yeah, so that was uh, that was episode seven. Um, it, strangely enough, um, and and maybe I will uh, since we're recording, I'll I'll see if I can't get you. I I haven't reached out to Doctor Brian to have him on my show yet, um, and I know that he's very responsive. Um, but maybe you can make us an introduction. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but but uh, so episode seven you had with him. So uh, in that again, like you said, um, was very veteran. Uh, focused on veteran mental health. So uh, what kind of stuff did you get from from his episode? You know, one of the things that I went into um, this idea with was that uh, or, or, or the, the idea of veteranology was I really don't think we're – I don't think a lot of us that suffer with uh, you know our, our mental anguishes, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, um, I don't think a lot of it stems from our time in service. A good portion of it does, but I think what leads us to make the decisions that ultimately are our darkest hour, um, I think that comes from what we leave the military and then what we end up doing. You know, we, we leave from this, this important lifestyle where, you know, yeah, we're stressed out, especially if you're in the infantry or any of the combat arms. You're stressed out. You hate your officers. Your staff, NCO, staff NCOs are out of touch. Like, you know, every, everything is going wrong. But at the same time, you, you have this identity that's been given to you that is incredibly important. And it's, it's on your chest. You know, it says U.S. Army. It says U.S. Marines. And right next to it's your name. And no one can ever strip that up. Of you, I mean, they can take your rank, but they can't strip that of you. And so, um, with with Dr. Craig Bryan, it was just kind of brought to light that maybe I wasn't too wrong. And one of the things he talked about was that you know, if you go into the military with a certain, you know, from a certain part of your life, you're most likely in four to, or eight years going to go home to a certain part of life. And to kind of use a better analogy um, that my, my senior drill instructor said at boot camp was 13 weeks of boot camp isn't going to get rid of 18 years of mom and dad. And so you enter the Marine Corps as a certain type of person, and that person does get broken down and then built up into a soldier, a Marine, an airman, whatever it is, but that person is still there. And so um, if, if you do go back home and there's not a lot of opportunity in the place you came from, uh, or, um, you know, you, you have a spouse that you've been with, you know, throughout the entire military and you've always kind of got that connection to stress back home, um, that can wear on you and you're no longer wearing your purpose on your chest. And without that, I feel like we start to look for our purpose elsewhere. And when we don't find it, then we kind of put those feelings maybe in a bottle or pills. And then we don't necessarily start going after our goals like we used to, or like we used to be told to, you know, when you're a young infantryman, you're told, you know, you're going to do these things to improve yourself. And when you're out of the service, you're no longer doing that. And so, you know, long story short, I just think the episode with him kind of solidified this idea that we we need to have um, a better sense of self and a better sense of where we're going when we decide that we're going to take off that uniform. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that um, there is a lot of the the challenges come between that that choppy waters, um, however long it lasts after you leave the service until you sort of, uh, you know, others have called it landed or transitioned or, or what have you. Um, but there is that turbulent piece that lasts for however long it is. Uh, for, for guys of my father's generation, it, it maybe lasted decades when they came back from Vietnam. Um, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to do. I know I'm trying to do in, in you in your own way is to shorten that time for veterans to be able to figure that out. The idea of um, we, we carry out of the Army what we brought into it or out of the military what we brought into it, uh, I've seen that if there were certain challenges when you came in, the military almost acts as an amplifier. Um, and so if there, were, if there was struggles with alcohol or drugs when you came in, uh, there's a greater chance that it is going to exacerbate. Same thing with anger, same thing with depression. If it was likely there before and then things in the military happen, it almost refracts, you know, like going through a prism and, and you come out and you amplify it. Uh, and then, as you said, there's things like, um, you know, purposelessness and helplessness and, and figuring out how to meet your needs. So, and, and again, um, some veterans, that's an example of you, a veteran talking about veteran mental health, uh, not being a mental health professional. So I, I think that was a, a really great episode. That was sort of along the same lines uh, with the Stop Su Soldier Suicide, uh, episode 13 for you. Right. Jason Roncaroni might say uh, that uh, he is a mental health professional or not. I, he, he was... He was. I don't think. I don't think he was. I think he came out of the combat arms uh, community like I did. Uh, I don't know what he's doing now. It's been like well over a year and a half, I think, since him and I have talked. Uh, but uh, stop soldier suicide was more of a discussion of uh, not so much the symptoms and the um, the mental health itself, but kind of uh, you know a stopgap of all right. We we know there is a problem. Let's let's stop the problem now. You know, it's like looking at a leaky pipe. Well, okay, let's let's stop the leak, and then you know, we'll focus on the pipe later. But uh, for them, at Stop Soldier Suicide, it's, it was all about trying to uh, have a system in place where, let's say, you or a sister or brother or you know, just a buddy uh, of somebody that you knew was at risk, and you know, maybe you know, talked about how they were just not finding their purpose or uh, they wish they were back in the military. You know, there's all these different triggers I think that you can listen for and like, hey, man, do you want, do you want to talk? But if, if you're not able to kind of keep track of this person, you can talk to Stop Soldier Suicides and they have uh, you know, caseworkers um, that you know have a set schedule and when they're going to be contacting this person. And I do need to do an after action episode to see how this program has been going because it was relatively young when I spoke with them. But the, the concept was, you know, get them talking, keep them talking, you know, keep them engaged, you know, the, be the one constant they might not have. And, and of course, um, it, it's sort of maybe the elephant in the room where everybody talks about all the time, but, but veteran suicide is an epidemic. Um, it's, it's um, the numbers outstrip uh, civilian um, uh, deaths by suicide. Uh, I think, uh, again, and as you and I have talked often, but I know that I've lost more of my fellow uh, platoon or company members um, to suicide than we lost while we were deployed. 
Um, and, you know, and, and I understand definitely uh, what 2-7 has gone through. Um, suicide's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a dark shadow over uh, my battalion. Um, and it's one that I think that um, we at this point have almost given some sort of um, anthropomorphic I- idea in our head as this, this sort of Like it's loom- a demon or something. Yeah, like just a looming. And interesting, you say that. I was I was at a a, a group. Uh, it wasn't group therapy, but it was, it was a group roundtable in Washington D.C. to talk about um, the the specific plague of suicides that has affected two seven uh, for a certain generation. I think from oh five to oh nine, that four years. Uh, it's about twelve. 1300 marines and, and sailors and um you know one guy uh told us really it was, it was a hilarious story i mean he, he he was being incredibly serious but he knew how how funny it sounded so i didn't feel bad uh losing it but he, he was talking about going down to peru and, and drinking the, this hiawatha or it's not hiawatha that's the name of a chief but uh the, the, this traditional shaman induced drink and he said that uh for him, his his visions that he ended up having were, were very demonic, and one of the things that he had to do was was uh, stay in this trance that he was in, and he 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 drank more of this stuff and, and ended up uh, throwing up a lot. But he said, like in his visions, he was throwing up, and he was getting rid of these demons, and uh, you know, since that uh, incident, he has felt amazing, and that's something I need to investigate. I'm going to have him on my show, but. You know, just just the idea that uh, we recognize these things as, as demons, and I think like one suicide, okay, what happened? Two suicide, okay, this sucks. Twenty suicides, like this, this almost seems unnatural. Yeah, and and that's one of the. And, and yeah, I think a recent report came out as far as um, you know a, a suicide contagion or, or things like that, and uh, and I know that uh, you and and a lot of your your brothers in uh, two seven have really struggled against that, um, and and just trying to make sense of it. Um, and and sometimes the pro the problem seems too big. You know, how am I going to solve twenty two a day? Um, but again, and it goes into uh, sort of the keep talking, right? Keep you know, I I often say I'm not going to save any veteran tomorrow except one. That's me. I'm the only veteran that I know. I can guarantee that I will see the the sunrise tomorrow morning if I have anything to do with it. And you are the only veteran that has ultimate responsibility for you. Um, And that's almost liberating in that we can spend time to be able to look eye to eye to another brother or sister and say, look, I don't want you to die. Um, And so, you know, one-on-one is much more manageable than one-on-twenty-two. Sure. I'm just, as a therapist, I'm not sure I'm going to use the Peruvian shaman mystic drink as a <laughs> as a therapeutic intervention i might not be right. licensed uh, but it's interesting I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that episode i'll have to um but you know i, I mean d- it, but but that's a that's a great example of you know look whatever it takes you know don't stop until something works right. um yeah that was another one of your episodes the the art of war i, I really appreciated the the conversation i think that you and Kurt Bean had, I think that was one of the episodes where you're talking about the the bearded a holes too, and, and sort of that that uh, that post army disgruntled vet, you know, shedding that um, right. that idea. 
but but Kurt had a different way of sort of uh, exercising the demons, if you will. Yeah, uh, he he attacked things with himself and what he was going through. Uh, he, he he went to a um, a clinic. I think it was an inpatient clinic at the VA, and um, they had brought someone in to do art therapy. But it was like this very temporary thing. Like you know, someone came in for like a couple hours, and he was like, you know what? That was really that was really great. And so when he got done with uh, that particular clinic. Um, you know, and, and found found uh, whatever it was that made him write the world with himself and the world around him. He decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to the VA. I'm gonna bring a, a, a more in depth program, and that's what he ended up doing this uh, Art of War program. And he then ended up uh, getting a local shop owner. I can't remember the name of the shop. It's down on South Broadway in Denver. Uh, but he would have um, veterans come out, and he'd be free to veterans, and uh, there'd be a charge for anyone that wasn't a veteran uh, to just do art. No real uh, sense of you're going to paint this way or you're going to like try to create this. It was here are the tools, make art, and um, yeah, it was it was a really great experience. I, I went there twice, um, and. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. He, I know he's been up to a lot of stuff. He's actually, I think, in uh, um, Iceland as a visiting artist. So um, he's he's definitely on on a professional track now with his art, his own art, which is is quite beautiful. But um, the the one thing that him and I talked about when you you brought it up earlier was uh, th- this bearded persona that um, comes up on, on Facebook, at least for us. Like obviously, not every veteran has a beard, but I, I do. And, uh, I do sort of. It's a good <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, there's a lot of angry people on social media, and social media gives us a really great place to be angry. And when you're angry, um, you don't have to be truthful to yourself. You don't have to grow. You don't have to challenge yourself. You can just be angry, and that anger gets you attention, and maybe that's the attention that you're looking for. Um, but that you don't know how to get any other way. And, you know, we were just like talking about how, I mean, and I still do, I hate Facebook. I hate it so much, but it's how I connect with a lot of people and it's important to how I do my business. But on a personal side, I hate it. I hate it so much. And, uh, the amount of anger that I see just about anything, I mean, Obama, liberals, um, you know, just anything someone can be angry about. They will not only just post, but they'll also post like news stories, and it's just like this continuous spectrum of I'm so angry at the world. Well, why don't why aren't you out there changing something? You know, the the people that are out there changing something, they are not posting on Facebook. <laughs> people yeah, are posting right. about them on Facebook. You can't pick up a shovel if you've got a fist, right? You know, you, right. you actually have to do something. You know, I, I like I, that analogy, man. That's great. Yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, you're shaking your fist at the sky, and the sky's not going to change, but your fist is going to get tired, and you eventually got to do something. Right. I, I tell guys that the anger is extending their perimeter is really what it is. You know, if I lob enough rounds, the people are just going to stay away from me, and it's a way to isolate myself. It's the idea behind, uh, you know, um, the the fireworks. Don't, don't uh, the fireworks signs, this, you know, PTSD vet lives here. When we were in the military, we didn't require the environment to adapt to us. We adapted to the environment. Uh, And so the the anger is a way to sort of cause others around me uh, 
to leave me alone or whatever it is. And so it is very much a way to allow me to not have to tell my story and not to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you talk about ways that, that sort of like uh, Kurt sort of overcame his thing. I, I recall I did a, uh, again, the same thing that Kurt did, you know, and, and I would recommend it to any veterans. Art therapy is good therapy because as I'm thinking, the one painting and it's a little, you know, it's, it's hidden somewhere in my house because it's not nearly as good as what Kurt does. Um, but it was uh, a, a landscape of a full moon at night in R.C. East with the river. And the, I mean, that was that was my my dark place. And so if I had to paint something, that's what came out of me to be painted. Um, and it's a good way to get an, yet another good way to get something out of your head so you can look at it and say, wow, I didn't realize that part of it was that important to me. You know what my favorite therapy is? Self-therapy. What's that? Helping people that I have no connection with, mm-hmm. like going beyond the raising money for a veterans charity, but going to a homeless shelter that has nothing to do with any sort of veteran group, uh, going to a school for children who you know have bad homes or you know they're in the foster system, um, and just going to a church that I have no affiliation with and passing out food, like. That's incredible therapy because it gets you out of your comfort zone because there's there's nothing there that says, um, you know, anything that you're, you know, you can, you see an EGA as a Marine and you feel connected, you know, but you, you see a bunch of hungry people who have, have no connection to you whatsoever besides humanity. That's it. And, and you know the fact that you're probably but all Americans, but like that—that's for me. That's been my favorite thing to do, and I try to do a couple things each year. Um, and uh, you know, you, you meet good people doing that, and it, I think it helps kind of take down some of your barriers as well. And 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 there actually is that the necessity, Jay, to move beyond um, sort of an identity and to integrate an identity. An episode that I had uh, recorded with uh, Timothy Weinicke. Um, who as a clinical mental health counselor, as an Air Force be- veteran, but also he was involved in higher education. He said that there's a, a, a point in which he saw student veterans shed sort of the, you know, they trimmed their beard, they, they stopped wearing whatever was in the duffel bag, and they actually went, like, there was a point maybe sophomore year, beginning of junior year, something that they actually dis- they made a shift, and he could tell that they, they moved beyond whatever that transitional identity is. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's where I try to work with my veterans to say, okay, you know, you were this, and then you become something else. In many ways, I'm still in that that very transitional identity because I still talk to veterans all day. You know, just like the platoon sergeant or first sergeant, I'm not talking to them, you know, off the end of a water buffalo or, or sitting, you know, under a tree. But you know, you you look at my office, and it's uh, you know, it's a retired first sergeant's office. It looks, you know, and so I still do have a lot of the military identity because it that's part of my profession that's part of my brand really if you will um but it's but i think you hit on something to move beyond just um you know taking your tribe out of the world making the world your tribe yeah i mean take take the name tape off (laughs) you know um you've got one right above your heart and it says what branch you were in and 
um, you know, take take it off and let the world in. It's it's not it's not a dangerous place, and and you can be of of great uh, value to the people around you. Yeah, I mean, and even uh, even if some very horrific things happened, um, and uh, even though we're drawing down, one of the, the the best episodes I think that I enjoyed the most is is uh, Red Ramos and and Red. And I think even you and I were talking before, but but he's really he's shown what you can do beyond a disability, but even embrace the disability. Yeah, no, he um, you know he lost his leg below the knee, uh, and um, from that point on, you know, went through his, his physical therapy, got involved with the Wounded Warrior Games uh, while he was still in the Navy. Once he left the Navy, he still helped them as an actor where um, they would bring these corpsmen out to like a, a Mount town simulation and, you know, explosion would go off and you have someone screaming for help and, you know, that's Redmond and he's there and he's got like a fake leg off, uh, off of the, uh, off his body. And he's, uh, you know, screaming and he's got blood yeah. splurting yeah. and it's all, it's all fake. He's, he's helping it out. And then ultimately, he uh, most recently was on uh, The Amazing Race right. and um, w- was showing what a disabled veteran was capable of in, in a very, um, you know, macho but professional way. Like, I felt like he exemplified a, a, an amazing person on that show every time I watched it. And uh, he, he's never shied down from a challenge. And, um, you know, I, I think he is a. Uh, uh, person who is a great what is it uh ambassador to the people that are around him for you know veterans and, and injured veterans yeah you know and, and you hear a lot um you know in veterans that uh, say invisible wounds versus visible wounds but i think that um you know it's hard to maybe separate the one from the other of course if someone who um you know had had an amputation or a mentor of mine had said uh, you know ptsd doesn't give you a sexy scar on your face um, you know, and, and it's harder for that, but, but it's still a, um, it's a way that someone can survive and even thrive in spite of the challenges that they have, um, rather than, um, use them as limitations. So you've got a, you've got a lot of, uh, really great shows. Anything else you can think of that, um, that, that maybe might've come up, uh, in, in the shows that you've done? Uh, regards uh, veteran mental health? I think the overarching theme is um, be open. Uh, you know, outdoorsmanship, art, helping people. Um, there's countless ways to help yourself. There's countless people to reach out to. I mean, I go to a therapist right now. And, you know, after the, the first uh, meeting, she said, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified to kind of go through the, uh, you know, this whole military stuff. I was like, look, it may come up because it's a part of me, but I want you to know that I'm coming to you because I want to talk to another human about my humanity. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my veteran stuff because I'm a veteran. And... Um, you know, she said, oh, okay, no, oh, great. And so far, I mean, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the progress I've made with her. But, um, you know, you don't, 
you know, whatever it is that you need, go look for it, create it and, and, and make it happen because, uh, you know, if, if you're in trouble, hopefully there's somebody who's going to catch you before things get too bad. But that's not always the case as I've found. And, um, if you want to have a successful life, if you want to wake up every day ready to go, you need to be okay with who you are and you need to, um, you know, appreciate the things that you've gone through the lens of, uh, appreciation, but not one of identity. Don't look at yourself as I need to get up because I'm Sergeant Knight. It's like, no, I'm going to get up because I'm Jay and I've been through a lot and I'm going to keep going through a lot because I'm going to get to the end of the road that I want to travel. So find your road, start hiking, find the help you need and, uh, you know, keep marching, man. You know, I, I think that's, uh, that's, it's always some great advice. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is, is you do have sort of a natural understanding of look, you know, we we've got to stop the BS and and you know continue on. Not that the mental health is a BS, but just all the obstacles in our way. Uh, and even you, you know, the the transparency of uh, you know you're still seeing somebody, and it doesn't have to be a veteran. I hear that a lot from veterans that uh, well, I'm not gonna you know talk to anybody unless you know I'm not gonna talk to a mental health professional unless they're a veteran. Number one, there's just not that many of us in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and number two, um, it's, you know, how do you know unless you try? Um, it's just you don't, veterans don't need a whole lot of reasons to avoid talking to a therapist, um, but they never realize how beneficial it could be. So uh, good on you, man, to, um, to really, I mean, and it is, demonstrate. It's what we learned in the military uh, is to uh, demonstrate excellence and not just talk about it. Yeah, man, I'm just doing what I can. <laughs> I got a lot of plates in the air, so uh, if I don't take care of myself, you know who is. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, where can they find some of those plates, Jay? What uh, if they want to find you online? Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Check out Veteranology and the rest of it. Sure. So, um, best place to get announcements on the episodes is probably just going to be Facebook.com/Veteranology. Uh, you can go straight to the source at veteranology.com or most of the podcast aggregators. I use Pocket Cast for myself, but if you use iTunes or something else, um, I'm not on SoundCloud. I've been working on that. But uh, yeah, any, any of the usual podcast apps will feed from uh, my publishing website. So uh, yeah, all the episodes are on there. And we don't just do uh, veteran interviews anymore. We have a talk show style where me and another guy I served with, Devin Black, uh, just kind of talk about issues like being a dad and, you know, uh, what does Veterans Day mean to me and like that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we also uh, on Mondays, at least I try on Mondays, usually happens on Tuesday, uh, we do a Medal of Honor reading. So just to kind of uh, recenter yourself and, and, and look back at, uh, again, like you know that we are standing on the shoulders of giants and uh, get a little bit of pep in your step from knowing what somebody went through and, 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 and uh, you know, found himself a hero on the other side. Yeah, no, I've been listening to those. I like that uh, you had uh, one about Ed Too Tall Freeman on there. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was uh, back in August. So I'm, uh, I'm a fan uh, of, of Ed and, and, of course, the whole Ayad Drang uh, thing there. 
Well, Jay, I really appreciate you coming on the show uh, and uh, and and really giving us the insight. You know, your your show's not about veteran mental health, but it is about veteran mental health, and uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time. It was my pleasure, Dwayne. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Uh, episode 19 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. A uh, great episode with the host of the Veteranology podcast, Jay Knight. You know, as uh, as we mentioned, we're we're focusing on the month of the military podcaster as uh, November, obviously being Veterans Day, and and veterans are really taking the time to talk about veteran mental health uh, and talk about veterans issues all over the place. Blogs, uh, podcasts, uh, social media. And so I uh, really appreciate Jay coming on the show to kind of talk about veteran mental health. And, and we talked a lot of different aspects of veteran mental health. In the beginning, Jay and I talked about uh, his bike ride and how he said that it was the biggest Band-Aid that he needed. Uh, but uh, really it evolved into uh, the need for veterans to tell our story. Uh, tell our story not just uh, so that others may understand, but so that we may get some relief behind uh, some of the pain that that story comes with. And then we went on to talk about episode five with Russell Davies. Uh, again, you can find all of these uh, these episodes, these uh, the links to these episodes in the show notes that uh, that we'll have on uh, changerpov.com/hst19 and uh, veteranmentalhealth.com/hst19. And so uh, he was talking about Russell Davies and the importance of building trust and building trust in in helping a veteran tell their story and, and trust just for the veteran to tell their story. And we talked about episode seven of the Veteranology, po- Veteranology podcast with Dr. Craig Bryan and uh, Jay's thoughts about finding a new identity uh, after leaving the service and, and how uh, making that shift uh, is necessary. That uh, a lot of times it wasn't just uh, the things that happened in the military that caused the challenges that we might have. And uh, another big challenge, obviously, uh, that many people talk about, uh, it's not the root cause of the problem, but sort of the, uh, the result of the problem is uh, suicide and veteran suicide. So in episode 13, uh, he talked to, to about stop soldier suicide and, and uh, Jay's thoughts on, on the suicide epidemic and, and how uh, it, it has uh, taken on sort of this, uh, this, this life of its own. Uh, but Jay and I talk about how necessary it is that we can't solve the uh, the problem one on twenty two a day, but we can certainly solve the problem one on one. Then we talked about episode sixteen, the art of war, with Kurt Bean, and uh, finding a way to get to the root of the problem uh, through art therapy or pretty much through anything. And Jay talks about his uh, personal therapy of giving back to the community, and really in a way that has nothing to do with veterans or anything like that. Uh, and then Jay and I go down a rabbit hole of, uh, of sort of the angry vet persona and how does it really serve us and, and what we're doing. And then finally we wrapped up with, uh, with Jay talking about episode 18 uh, of the Veteranology Podcast uh, and Red Ramos and, and uh, Red becoming a, uh, an ambassador even is the, the word that Jay used um, to show that uh, veterans can thrive in spite of their, uh, their challenges, in spite of their disabilities uh, that we don't don't need to accept it as our limitations. So I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Uh, I appreciate you listening to the other shows 
of the uh, Change Your POV Podcast Network. So we really appreciate you listening to Change Your POV Podcast, and we look forward to talking next week. The struggle is real, found a feast and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that try to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability so there you have it, folks. Another episode of Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to changing your perspective on better mental health. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use the track Not Alone from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc's a guy who's trying to bring the discussions about veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you need to check him out. Head over to therealdoctodd.com to purchase the album and support the cause. You're not alone, veterans. Ever. The struggle is real, found a feast and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.